Hey, you're listening to The 100 Day Project Podcast. The 100 Day Project is a free global art movement. Every spring, thousands of people all around the world commit to 100 days of exploring their creativity and sharing their process online. Find out more at the100dayproject.org. Hey, and welcome to The 100 Day Project Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Jean Thompson, and my guest today is Enkeche Diana Njaka, an integrated lifestylist who combines her backgrounds in neuroscience, dance, nutrition, and fashion to create a mindful and creative space for individual consulting, coaching, and content creation. She spent the majority of her life investigating the relationship between the brain and the body and has always felt the significance of their integration. She was originally interested in how fear and anxiety prevented her from living a fully expressed life in certain circumstances while simultaneously knowing that participatory acts, arts like dance, gave her the freedom to self-express. She longed for this to be in balance and true for people everywhere. For several years, Nkechi worked as a neuroscientist as well as a professional modern dancer and choreographer. Sometimes she held both professions at the same time, but their work was compartmentalized and separate. After experiencing burnout from pursuing these separately, Nkechi spent a significant amount of time in self-inquiry. She asked herself what she could create that would combine both while promoting and sustaining individual and global well-being. She discovered that mindfulness and creativity are crucial for st- sustaining individual and global well-being. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here, you multi-multi-hyphenate. <laughs> yes. Multi-multi-multi. <laughs> Multi-multi-multi. Yeah, I. Uh, that's actually one of the reasons why I wanted to invite you on to the podcast because, you know, I know a lot of people doing the 100 Day Project, one of the things that comes up is, you know, they're not just a knitter. They're not just a dancer. They're not just any kind of singular thing. And to embark on this kind of like long-ish commitment to choose one thing daily can be really challenging, especially if you see yourself as a person who has a lot of different passions and interests. So how do you do all of these things? Yeah, I think that um, I totally relate to that sentiment of like being in different spaces and wanting to occupy different types of expressions. And I think, well, how I do it is very different than kind of the path to being okay with doing multiple Mm -hmm. things. I think that we go to school and we kind of have this idea that we like choose one track and that's going to be the thing that we study. And then that thing that we study is going to become something that we do professionally. And I just wasn't seeing um, kind of crossover in where and what I was studying with where I wanted to be spending my time professionally. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I got tired of searching for that and just decided to do all of them at once and see what happened. And, and so how it works today is instead of compartmentalizing, I just try to integrate everything. And I think that's where NDN came from. It's a creative and mindful studio of sorts. Um, mainly doing content creation and brand storytelling, but it also does have an individual um, coaching component to it. And really, it's just about telling embodied stories through writing, through events, and through um, visual content. And 
I think that that is one way that I attempt to get at the things I'm interested in in kind of one piece. But then of course there's all these other like sub subcategories, like not everyone needs a modern dance (laughs) 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 and not everyone needs like a robust, like study, you know? Yeah. Can you tell me more about what embodied stories means to you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I use the word embody um, to, I guess, describe the, the reality of existing in the body, but also expressing that point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and so something that I've learned through my practices in dance and also just um, even somatic practices through mindfulness as well, Well, I won't even go there, but basically we're in this body. This body is expressive Mm -hmm. and we all know that. So how do we share truth through that? Or how do we complicate truth (laughs) (laughs) through our bodies? And so that's what I mean by embodied is, is what are, what are we, what are we communicating through our body and, and where our bodies end up in space and, um, and and I mean this from like a very visual mm-hmm. point of view, and it's it's very much my choreographic mind that's like, okay, if we put our body here, it means this thing. If we put our body over here, it means this thing, and it's in relationship to this other object or person or idea, and it's telling a story, and I'm interested in that. For people who don't necessarily have a somatic practice or know what that means, how would you explain or encourage them to pursue that either as it relates to their creativity or just generally? Mm -hmm. So somatics, I've looked up this definition so many times to have like a very concrete definition (laughs) and I don't have one. So for me, when I use the word somatics, I'm really talking about the practice of being in the body to better understand the self. Mm -hmm. And this is coming from a belief that I have that the, the body doesn't lie. The body is innately wise and intelligent and is always communicating with us. And and my favorite somatic practices are dance, obviously, mm-hmm. and mindfulness, meditation. Um, and so getting quiet to listen to the self is one way. Um, and then being inspired to move the way the body wants to move is another way to to develop these practices for yourself and how this relates to a creative practice or process is that you end up discovering things about yourself that you may not have heard already, or maybe it's been speaking for a long time. um, And it finally has space to like fully articulate an idea or thought or important need or an important value. I mean, it just, it's endless. And I'm always really inspired by what arises (laughs) for me in these practices. I took um, a five rhythms class last week. Have you ever done five rhythms? I have. How was it for you? (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not even sure how to explain to people what it is. Because like dance classes, I think definitely a misnomer for that. Uh, That kind of general idea is that there's 
five different rhythms. And for each of the rhythms, they play music. There might be a short amount of guidance and you just move your body however you want to move your body. And so, you know, there were like maybe 12 of us who are doing this in this like large dance space and everybody's moving around kind of in their own way. And some people are making noise and for some people it's kind of primal. And, um, and, you know, like I would say that my like threshold for like hippie and weird stuff is pretty high, you know? And I really like, I, I showed up and I was like, uh, I'm not sure. And by the end, I was like, I feel <laughs> great. My practice oh, is mostly amazing. yoga, which can be like really linear, you know? And mm-hmm. it was just really like liberating. Oh, I love to hear that. You know? Yeah. Like it made me feel inclined to, and I haven't done it yet, but just, you know, at home, turn on music and just move my body. Oh, I encourage you to do that. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's my favorite practice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, a lot of times when we go to any kind of movement class, we're like waiting to be told not just how to move, but also how to feel. And like the absence of guidance is actually a pretty, mm, I, I don't know. I think it was, it was really, the lack of guidance is actually pretty informative. Yes, I 100% believe that. And I think that, yeah, no one needs to tell you how to move. And, yeah. and I say this coming from like a very robust dance background where literally I was told how to move for 25, 27, maybe 30 years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm still told how to move when I go to dance classes, even now. Um, but I think your body's so smart yeah. <laughs> and like <laughs> it has its own way that it wants to exist. And yeah, there's a, um, an important level of freedom that I think that that gives yeah. when you just are like, okay, I'm going to move how I want yeah. and feel how I feel. <laughs> yeah. And I'm with you. The body knows, like it knows what it needs to do. I woke up the next morning in this like kind of tightness that I've had in my back since my surgeries two years ago just felt like free. It was amazing just mm. by moving around in like a really kind of not necessarily chaotic, but like free form kind of silly or whatever way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm one, I'm 100% with you on that. I want to hear more about, about your background as a neuroscientist. So w- we actually have talked about this recently, but I'd love to share, I'd love for you to share with, with our listeners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so my background, neuroscience, I, when I was about, yeah, I guess 18, when I went to college, I was very interested in, in psychology and cognitive, like behavioral, I was just very interested in, in behavior, really. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that came from being obsessed with Loveline. I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Drew. With, the, yeah, with Dr. Drew? <laughs> Yeah, with the, yeah with Doctor Drew. <laughs> um, he had a he had a radio show called Loveline. Um, he co-hosted. I haven't it listened with, to that since high school. Exactly. Well, this is exactly yeah. when I was listening to it as well. Um, and I just was like really deeply enamored with the fact that he could like kind of diagnose someone <laughs> based on like <laughs> the way they were speaking and like what was going on for them. And I was like, this is incredible and he's a psychiatrist. Like I'm super interested in, 
in, in that. Um, and so I took some psychology classes in college and then was like, no, you know, there's like a science behind the psychology. Like, why don't I get into that? And yeah, did the cognitive behavioral neuroscience track at Scripps College and then went on to grad school. Um, I studied at the University of Edinburgh in Scotland and studied behavior psychosis and um, abnormal psych. So I was always interested in like what makes a brain behave a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then that led me to doing imaging research. So looking at the brains of people with bipolar and schizophrenia. And then that imaging work led me to a research group in Palo Alto. And so instead of working with psychosis, we were working with um, healthier brains that were experiencing chronic pain, depression, anxiety, and addiction. And in addition to looking at their brains in the same way that I'd been looking at brains in Scotland with an fMRI um, technology, I was also employing mindfulness mm -hmm. as part of their treatment. And that was kind of where I shifted in terms of my neuroscience application or like that's where I was like, oh, this is really interesting, this thing that we can do that doesn't require expensive technology or it doesn't require drugs or a prescription. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm really like anti-pharma and like, and I always have had been. So like, I was like this mindfulness thing, this is like really like wild and out there. And I mean, this was like, I don't know, 2000. 12. So no, before that, what am I talking about? It was like 2008. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it was a time, long time, time ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was before the word mindfulness was like something that people were using in everyday conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was way before it was cool and trending. And um, I left neuroscience I was 29 or like 20. No, I was like 27. It was the beginning of my Saturn return for those of you who um, understand that period of life. <laughs> like <laughs> a lot changed for me during those yeah. years, but I, um, I left that, that job and kind of was like, no, I'm going to go a different direction and maybe, maybe like do preventative wellness, preventative mm. health instead of, um, being a researcher, researcher, being a researcher felt very rigid. That identity felt very um, white male, which I'm not. It felt very structured, felt very um, linear, which it's so ironic because science is not actually <laughs> linear. Um, experiments never go the yeah. way you think they're going to go and you're constantly adapting and coming up with new hypotheses. I mean, science is actually very creative, but it didn't feel that way because it's run by white men, at least my group was. And so I just wasn't into it and was like, you know, I think I'm going to try and figure out what it is that I'm supposed to do by just asking every day in meditation. And maybe the answer will come to me. And while I'm waiting for that answer, I will go to dance classes. I will write every day. I will do everything that I can to express myself honestly. And eventually the answer will come. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I'm still waiting for the answer. It's an practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like it's one of those things um, where it only but, ever seems like there's a destination, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I think that the, the, the <laughs> me asking the universe, the universe is like, oh, that's really funny and cute. Why don't I just like, <laughs> why don't I just put you on this little like idea? Yeah, this idea that you will get to an answer, but no. It's just, you know, information along the way. And I think I've been lucky to be compensated along the way. So it like feels like I'm doing a job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I'm still discovering a lot every day. I mean, it would be kind of awful not to be, right? Like, <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. There's um, – so – I have a Burning Man camp and, uh, well, it doesn't belong to me. I'm in a Burning Man camp called Mystopia. And we have this huge sign called, it just says, this is the good part. And, you know, the kind of like universal joke there is like, it's all the good part, even the bad part, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So the figuring it out is the good part is the whole thing. Yeah, it really is. Um, figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's a it's a big reason why a lot of people do the project is, you know, we're all looking for for meaning and purpose and a way to express ourselves. And I I kind of love this idea of I think part of the project actually is a daily mindfulness practice, whatever it is that you're doing. Right? The act of like showing up and being present with something uh even just for a couple of minutes can be really powerful and it actually can change your brain, right? It, yeah, it does change your brain. And that's the coolest part. I mean, I think it's going back to this idea in neuroscience of why we were looking at, at brains and how they relate to behavior. Um, what ends up happening when you do something like focus attention on, on breath or sensation, or um, you do actually change brain structure and, and then that changes your behavior. And so that's really cool that we have the power to do that and we can do that over time. Yeah. It's really special. Yeah, 100%. So you're going to do a project this year, right? I am. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. Can you tell us a little bit about your project? Yes. I don't fully know exactly, (laughs) (laughs) but I know that it has to do with dance. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk it out. Um, I know that I have been saying for years and by years, maybe even decades that I want to create like a big dance, like a, I don't know if I want it to be in a traditional dance space or if I want it to be a dance film shown in a theater or in a, um, like a film festival. But I know that I want to do a large work and, and it would require a large production and I just haven't done it. And I, don't know what I'm waiting for, but I think that it's important that I do it because it's something I want to do. And yeah, that's, that's my inspiration is, is being committed to, um, to working on it a little bit every day. Yeah. A work in progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. But a work in progress that's actually towards an outcome in progress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to just like in my head, like, oh yeah, I'm working on this. Work. Like, like I'll go, I'll meet people that I know from the dance world and they'll be like, are you working on anything new? And I'm like, yeah, of course I'm working on something new, but it like, isn't tangible. Yeah. I haven't like gone to the studio and like tried to set movement in my body or yeah. like, you know, wrote anything yeah. down. It's just like in my head. So your so subconscious is kind of working funny. on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do think that there's something exactly that, right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. once the idea is there, it might take a while for you to actually commit to working on it. But once the idea is there, it's sometimes working on itself, which doesn't mean you don't still need to show up and do the day to day work. But I think if you're listening and you're feeling bad about that thing that you know that you want to do and you haven't done yet, you know, give yourself some some space to know that that it's there and that part of you might be working on it, even if it's not entirely conscious. Or I will say that's my experience with writing. Yeah. Sometimes it's really helpful to walk away from the execution. Yeah, I definitely, I believe that in the, in the kind of idea of it being like, in progress that like that gives a lot of space for things to kind of develop show up arrive be in question and that I really appreciate that about any kind of process um mm-hmm. or like the process to getting to maybe a quote-unquote final product but I like never really believe any work is done either yeah. So, yeah. but, so then for dance especially like I then don't start <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, well, if it's never done, it's never starting. So, um, I mean, that's, that's, like... that's such a challenging question, right? When do you know that mm-hmm. something's like done enough? Yeah, when you have like a date to present it. <laughs> okay, me. so a deadline. Yeah. Yeah, a deadline. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Which I'm excited about because I think if I am working on something and also I really do believe in not only working on something with like a goal in mind, but also sharing what you're working on, then, then there's like energy that is outside of you and the project that then kind of elevates it and expands it in ways that you can't really imagine. Yeah. And wouldn't happen by yourself. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually the really cool part is you make something and then people experience it or interact with it in a way that kind of shapes it differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if I'm totally honest with myself, I think that's actually what I'm afraid of in terms of starting. It's funny because I I was in a conversation recently um, with my creative partner and best friend. Um, We did it. We were in Texas. last week, the week before, um, both probably. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) we like traveled, um, to Marfa for an art conference and we were presenting on creative partnership. And, um, and then we decided to go to White Sands and work on an independent project for ourselves. And in the car ride, because we spent a lot of time in the car, she was asking me a lot of questions um, her name is Anna Alexia. She was asking me a lot of questions about my choreographic process. And I was having a really hard time talking about it and having a really hard time giving language to kind of my struggles, but also like it theoretically. And it became very clear to me that 
because I find it so difficult to talk about, I just also just find it difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like I don't want to be having conversations about about it because it is so difficult that I just am like, okay, I'm going to like put it over there until it becomes easy. And it's interesting because I think it's probably only difficult for me, like, well, in the way that I think about it. And, and I don't mean that it's because I'm special. Like, I think it's one of those things where like some people can make dances and I see their dances all the time on Instagram or whatever. And I'm just like, why, like, (laughs) why, why is it so easy for them? And they probably just not thinking about it as much as I think about it. But yeah, it, it is like hard for me. Yeah. Or they're just doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's, that's a good way to think about it less. Or to not overthink about it, yeah. overthink it so much, right? Yeah, I'd love to not overthink it. Um, I'm sure everyone listening would love a lot to things. not overthink <laughs> <laughs> their project and other things. I think it's a, it's like a common thing. Yeah, there are things that I do that I don't overthink, though. That I like really like don't give. Yeah. I was going to say two fucks and I was like, wait, maybe I'll censor myself. But no, it just doesn't sound the same. If I, <laughs> too petty. I really don't. <laughs> but, um, but I very much care about dance. Yeah. It's the thing I care about the most more than like anything. And so for me to be cavalier about it would feel like very wrong, but I think it's okay like here's where I'm arriving is the whole point of this entire conversation is I'm arriving to a place where I'm like, where I have the most compassion for myself in caring as much as I do about it and that I'm going to do it anyway. And like really, really be like sweet and sensitive and kind of like hold, hold my choreographic self with like so much love like, okay, you love mm-hmm. this thing so much. And so like, we're going to nurture that and we're going to nurture, I'm going, I'm going to nurture myself in, in all the care that I do have for making something really beautiful and caring a lot about it being beautiful and caring a lot about it, telling a story that's important to me. Um, because I think a lot of the time, I mean, you can't like, you can't, convince yourself to not care about something that you Mm -hmm. care about um it's almost like there's shame with that like why do you care so much I mean I feel like when I hear that I think of like all of the times I told myself like not to care about some guy that I really cared about (laughs) (laughs) and um and that didn't help it really didn't make me feel better I felt worse because I was like well I shouldn't be caring about this so much and I I don't want to do that to my art. I think that I want to care about it and just like love it and love myself caring about it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it absolutely makes sense. You care. It's great to care. And uh, you want to mm-hmm. treat that part of yourself uh, with tenderness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> beautiful thing. I celebrate that. Um, we just have a couple of minutes left. And in closing, uh, do you have any words of wisdom or encouragement for people doing the project? Yeah, I, I think it would come from what we just spoke about, which is like loving, 
loving how much you care mm-hmm. about it. Um, assuming, assuming that it is maybe a project that hasn't gotten done because of caring too much or overthinking too much, but also to think more expanded um, when it comes to what is the project mm-hmm. itself. And I think that for me, when I think of my creative practices, they really include a lot of different mediums and painting is one, writing is one, singing is one. And they don't necessarily directly have to do with dance making, but they do have to do with expression and opening up channels for creativity and access to creativity. So I've gone like very far the other way and I just like (laughs) only did those things for a while and not actually the, the dance. But to, yeah, hold them as also valuable. I love that. Thank you for sharing with us. Um, I will be sure to share all of the links where people can find you. Uh, anything else coming up where people um, can can meet you online or in person or see a performance or or anything like that? Um, I'd love, I wish I had a performance date on the calendar. I don't, but I am presenting with Wanderlust this year. Um, I have a couple different, um, locations, but one of them is in San Francisco. So that's happening in May. I don't know the exact date off the top of my head. I'll look it up and share it in the show notes. Yeah. So that's happening. I teach if for those who live in San Francisco, I teach public classes, um, mindfulness meditation and I'm like do I have anything else coming up not that I know of, <laughs> so many that- things that you can't quite recall <laughs> yes yeah. um, well I will share all of those things with the community thank you so much for coming to share a little bit about your process and your story um, we appreciate you thank you so much for having me Hey, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Lindsay Jean Thompson. This episode is sponsored by Going Graphic. If you're a creative looking to grow your brand, Going Graphic is your answer. Whether you've been in business for years or just getting started, Going Graphic can help you build your business while you get to focus on the stuff you love doing. Going Graphic specializes in logo design, print design, and marketing, including social media management, email marketing, blog posts, and more. For a free consultation, visit goinggraphic.com and mention The 100 Day Project. Freedom to be creative is here for you. Podcast produced by Adam Day, music by Peter Fenn. Our guest next week is Hope Meng. If you look back on your work and you think it's terrible, that's actually a good thing. It means that you're growing and that you're learning and, you know, I just... Just the practice of it is enough. The journey is what it's all about.